year November has started. Quarter four is gradually winding to an end. In fact, 2016, as it were, is ending. I was on the plane this evening and someone was saying to another person, what's today's date? I think the person was trying to fill a form or something. The person said November 3rd. Like, November has ended already. Are you serious? So uh, a lot of people are gradually coming to the realization that the year started a couple of months back and before you know it, you know, we're going to say Happy New Year very soon. Some super efficient people have already begun to make, well, to take stock of the year so far. Some have begun to reflect and see, sort of do an assessment, as it were, of the things that they have done well, things that need to be changed, you know. Those are those really super efficient people. Some of us have not started yet. Some people have already begun to make plans for 2017. Yeah, so strategy sessions are holding left, right, and center. People are making plans. You know, the year will not catch us by surprise. People are planning, essentially. Tonight, I'm just going to speak briefly on something or a group of people, a category of different categories of people that we would examine in the book of um, Luke. Would you kindly open your Bibles with me? to Luke chapter 16. So I'll read quickly from chapter 1, oh, sorry, verse 1 to verse um, 11. Also Jesus said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward and accusations against the steward were brought to him that he he had or he was squandering his master's possessions and he called him and said to him what is this that i hear about you turning the account of your stewardship for you can be my steward no longer and the manager of the estate or the steward said to himself what shall i do seeing that my master is taking the management away from me and I am unable to dig, I cannot dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have come to know what I will do so that they may accept and welcome me into their houses when I am put out of the management or my stewardship. So he summoned his master's debtors one by one, and he said to the, to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take back your written acknowledgement of obligation and sit down quickly and write 50. After that, he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take back your written acknowledgement of obligation and write 80. And the master praised this unjust steward for acting shrewdly and prudently. For the sons of this age, or the sons of this world, are shrewder and more prudent and wiser in their own generation than are the sons of lights. Okay, so I'll stop at verse 8 for now. So this story essentially talks about a guy who his boss, as it were, had appointed him over his affairs to manage, to administer, you know, 
the New King James Version refers to the guy. I read the ampli um, Amplified Version here, but refers to him as a steward. And this guy was put in charge of everything. He had to manage financial affairs, you know, and all of that. But apparently, the, the, the boss got a report that this guy was not um, acting in accordance with the terms and agreements initially enacted as at the time of employment. This guy was wasting resources. And the boss decided to fire him, says to him, you know what, give me an account of all that you have done so far. And we'll take it from there. So this guy, in his mind then decides, you know what, there are two things that I cannot do. First of all, I know my strengths. I know my areas of, area of strength, as it were. I cannot dig. And I am too ashamed. Another way to look at that is I am too proud to beg. So I will go to the people that are owing my boss and say to them, sort of a, a debt forgiveness arrangement, a portion of what you're owing my boss, we'll write it off, just pay the balance. And it's very interesting to note that the boss then commends him for that act. Every time I read this scripture or this um, chapter, I marvel and I've asked the Holy Spirit several times, so what was Jesus trying to pass across here? And then he sums it all up by saying, the children of the world, the guys that are out there, they are smarter, they are wiser than my own people, the children of light. And that part got me a bit confused because I began to wonder, Lord, so this guy clearly goofed. This guy was not on top of his job. This guy was not your employee of the month. And of course, he was on the verge of losing his job. But then he decides to be smart and works out an arrangement in which if I were the boss, I probably would have been upset that, look, these people are owing me. Who gave you the audacity to go and write off a portion of the debt? You know, but instead he gets a commendation. There are several schools of thoughts to that action. You know, some have said, or some, some people have, yeah, some people have posited that, so the debts may have been hanging for so long. And then he decided it's better to get a portion than nothing at all. He helps his boss get back money. But I want us to examine the guy. Let's, let's uh, you know, remove the blinders or the filters as to how he went about resolving his issue and still probably, possibly retaining his stewardship. I want us to just examine two things that he said. One was that he cannot dig, and the other was that he can't beg. Let's talk about the digger a bit. So I've called the guy the steward, and then there are some people that are diggers, and then there are some people that are beggars. Let's start with the beggars, yeah. We all know what it is to beg, right? Okay, P.I., how do you do this? We all know what it is to beg, yeah? Thank you very much. So, he says, I'm too proud or I'm ashamed. I can't be seen out there begging out or trying to, you know, solicit for help as it were, which is not bad. It's okay to understand that it is not, that is not a honorable path to tow. 
Now he says, I cannot dig. What does it mean to dig? And what, what, what is the, the, the thought process or the thought behind digging? Digging sounds like a lot of hard work. Digging sounds like a lot of toil. Digging sounds like hard labor, right? He says, I can't. That is not for me. But he then decides to go the route he went. As a steward, his responsibilities, like I had mentioned earlier, were to administer, you know, to manage, to take care of, you know. But saying that he can't dig means that he had identified that he didn't have the requisite skills, for example. That he didn't have what it, it took to dig. Digging can represent several things. But one of the things that, has, that, that was very strong in my, you know, like a strong impression I had about digging was people who create, people who innovate, people who, digging is, digging is a process. Digging requires that gratification be delayed. Digging is not where or when you get quick, quick returns, as it were. Digging requires planning, it requires execution, and you will delay gratification before you eventually begin to see results. And this guy said, I cannot dig. I'm not ready to go through that path of hard labor. I'm not ready to give this what it takes. I, I don't have the skills, possibly, to get this done. So I would look for you know, a fast way out, as it were, or a smart way out. As a steward, some of the things that his boss queried him for, the main thing he was queried for was wasting resources. And I'm going to dwell on that a bit. Because of the nature of his responsibility, he had been entrusted with resources. And he clearly had mismanaged these resources. My question to us all here today, myself inclusive, is... What are the resources we have been entrusted with at our various places of responsibility? What are the things that are required of us as children of God to get done on the face of this earth? What are the things that God has put in you, in me? What are those talents, those skills, those abilities that he has equipped us all with? And how well are we utilizing these resources? How well are we maximizing them? Because like this guy, we also will give accounts. But before I even talk about us and God, let's even just do a self-examination. So think about it at your place of work. Or your, if, you, if you run a business, for example, with your employees. How well are you faring? as a steward, in whom responsibilities have been entrusted and resources have been given to. How well are you faring? How are you doing? Recall I started with people doing self-examination and you know, sort, of, sort of assessing performance year to date, thinking through 
how they how the months have gone by and the things that they have done or things that they haven't been able to do. So think about it as a steward because that is who we are. When Jesus shared this parable with his disciples, he wanted them to understand certain things and um, it's from verse 11 downwards. I will read it in a bit. But essentially, every individual on the face of this earth has been assigned resources. You have been equipped with certain things. So it means that if you are not maximizing these resources or you're not even utilizing them at all, then what's happening? The space that you're supposed to fill, the value you're supposed to be adding, what is happening in that space? Like this guy who said he couldn't dig. Sometimes it might just be out of laziness, for example. So we come as Christians, we pray, we ask God for certain things, equip me, fill me, give me, help me. And then he gives us these things. In fact, so something happened to me recently. I had been praying to God for, you know, a breakthrough in a certain area. And I had my notes. I had everything. So every time I spoke to God, I always had some stuff to write down. I had essentially gotten the strategy for what to do. But I kept praying, and I kept asking, and I kept praying, and I kept asking. And one day, I, I felt that, but for the fact that I knew that the Holy Spirit is gentle, and he, didn't, he would not say to me to shut up, I almost felt like that was the response I was getting. Will you just be quiet? So you have asked for a plan. I have helped you in crafting a plan. You've asked for strategy. I have helped you with that. I have even gone ahead to suggest, you know, places to go, people to talk to. You have all that down. So what are you still asking me for? I should come and execute for you. And sometimes that might just be your own story. You have been given everything that you need. We have been equipped as children of God. But we sometimes fail to move. And sometimes when we don't move, what it is that we're doing, your inaction or your, for want of a better word, your misaction essentially proves that you're wasting resources. That is what it means, that you are wasting resources. God has apportioned resources to be used for specific purposes. But if you're not using them or you're misusing them, then you're wasting them. And he's asking you tonight, are you that steward that I have put in so much, I have equipped with so much, and in terms of value add, we're not seeing much. Do I need to move on to someone else? You know how it is that you have an idea, and then it's just dancing in your mind, dancing, dancing, and before you know it, a few months down the line, someone else has executed it, and you're so pained. I don't know how many people can relate. You've been thinking about it. You, like, you, you, you feel like, you know, light bulb moment. Eureka. This is the best thing after sliced bread. This idea. And you just dance around with it in your mind and in your bedroom. You don't do anything about it. A few months down the line, you see it. Either on social media, someone else is doing it. 
or you hear it on the news, or someone tells you, ah, I have a friend who's doing it already, and you're so pained. So I want to speak about a resource that we're all very familiar with, which is money. And the way it is, money is usually an excuse for not getting things done. Or the project I want to execute is capital intensive. I need a lot of money to get it done and all of that. And sometimes... It is the reason why you don't even get things done because you're very comfortable. So you're wondering, why do I need to, you know, move in, that, in, in a certain direction that God has been laying upon your heart? But I have realized over time that money never flows to where it is most needed. Check it. Never. Otherwise, money would be in abundance in places like Syria and war-torn zones and Somalia and the likes. Money as a resource flows to where it would create the most value and get the most returns. And that is the truth. As God's children, and understanding that God is the owner of all resource, He's the one who apportions them as he pleases. And the earth that we live in is a container of resource as designed by God. And we as individuals that he has placed on this earth are to utilize those resources to ensure that the earth becomes a better place. And eventually that God's name be glorified. That is a summary of all of our assignments. So everything that we do as individuals, we are supposed to be adding value to people on earth and hopefully making lives better. So if what you're doing is not satisfying that, if you're not solving problems that makes lives easier, if you're not creating value in any way at work, then there's a problem. There is a big problem. Because as an employee, very soon, your competency will be called to question. As a business owner, you have established a fantastic business that is not solving any problem. It's not going to grow because people will not require your services. So the Bible refers, when Jesus Christ was going to describe him, I like the way the NKJV version um, tagged that scripture or that chapter. He called it the unjust steward. And then when the master was going to commend him, he spoke about him, described him as an unjust steward that had acted shrewdly. You know, and the meaning of shrewd in this context is that he acted wisely and he acted thoughtfully. When Jesus was going to eventually... Give, bring out a lesson for his disciples. Um, I think that should be verse 11. S- 
from verse 10. He said, who, he who is very faithful in, he who is faithful in very little is faithful also in much. And he who is dishonest and unjust in very little is dishonest and unjust also in much. So, your, your, the measure of your faithfulness is not necessarily in the quantity or um, in how enormous your task or your responsibilities have been. So you are tested in little. That is what would determine if you qualify for bigger things. So as with every resource that God blesses you with, as with every skill, as with every talent, the little that you have, what have you done with it? That is what God is asking. What have you done with it? So you can sing. Okay. What have you done with it? You only sing in your shower, in your bathroom. So you can bake. So you can teach. You have a way with kids. The educational system is suffering at the moment. Public schools are... I've been conducting interviews for about two weeks now. And even drive that we did here, all the drive people that... I mean, people who assisted, you guys can testify. The quality of graduates that we're producing in Nigeria... Meanwhile, you might just have a solution. A friend of mine once said something. He said, you'll be amazed that sometimes people think, especially Christians, we think that the best way to serve God is to be in church and hold a microphone. That so you have this very smart individual who, you know, just needs to spend a little more time in the things that he's gifted in. Say, for example, medical research. And he might just be the one God wants to use to pro, you know, provide a cure for an incurable disease. But because he has spent so much time in church, he thinks the best place to serve God and to be most effective or most useful is in church. So eventually, he becomes a pastor. And there goes that. But what I have learned with God is when he comes to you to get stuff done and you don't move, he will move on to the next available person. But you see, the painful part is that the Bible says that the rain falls on both the just and the unjust. God is not a respecter of persons. So when he has a task to be done. If you, as the Christian, is unavailable, he will move on to someone who has a heart of love to solve this problem and who might not necessarily be a Christian. Yeah. The person doesn't have to be born again. Because why? The people that are children of light, they are sleeping. They have become comfortable just dwelling in his house and singing his praise. Meanwhile, he needs them in the marketplace. He needs them out there to get things done. But we think the place to be is beautiful to be in God's house, yes. But when there are things to be done, God needs foot soldiers. We have said it time and time again. He's building his army. 
not the army that will sit in church, but the army that will go out there and change industries, build new industries, solve problems, make this world a better place, make Nigeria a better place. That is what God wants from the children of light, which is why he compared them to the children of this world. Like, you guys are sleeping. This guy, yes, the steward did, was unjust. In fact, he was first unjust because he was a waster of resources. However, he thought of a sharp way to fix his mess. Sometimes it's very irritating. And I don't mean this in a bad way, or well, maybe, I don't know. But it's sometimes quite irritating. I was conducting an interview last week, and I was asking the person, so what are your strengths? And the person is telling me, I'm very humble. You see, by God's grace, I'm very humble. I'm very humble. And the face is doing, I'm very humble. I'm like, this, your face is not humble, you know? But you see, we put God in, we, we, we put God in, it's not by putting God in every sentence. It's not by that. Someone was telling me recently that, um, I don't know how true it is, but I heard that um, Mark Zuckerberg says he's now a Buddhist. Is that true? Okay. So maybe it's not true. But anyway, the person said Mark says he's now he's a Buddhist because Buddhism is a thinking religion. And I was a little unf- offended because I thought, okay, so this guy was born in a Christian home to Christian parents. Cool. But then you say you decide to shift because invariably... Christianity is not a thinking religion. So what does that say to you? It can be a little upsetting when people, in the sake of being a Christian, forget that God is a doer. He's not a coaster. He's a doer. From Genesis, he gets things done. And if Bible says that we are created in his image and after his likeness, it means that we are like him. It means that we are co-creators. It means that we have his creative ability in us. So if we are not doing anything with it, then there is a problem. We need to check if we are really in his image and after his likeness. So to sum it all up, Who are you? Or what type of person are you? Where do you fit in all of this equation? Or these three categories of people that I have spoken about? Are you a beggar? And it is not until you wear rags. You just know. Self-assessment. Are you the person that goes about seeking favors and not adding value? Are you the person that goes about begging and you have an entitlement mentality because you are a Christian? Yes, I do agree that because of our position as heirs, we should have access. A scripture of Psalm 32. It says, it was David here saying, he said, I have never seen, it's Psalm 32 verse 20, 37, sorry, verse 25. I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed beg for bread. So I realized that, you see the word righteousness there, in the Hebrew context, let me read what it means. So it's not, as, it's not, it's beyond talking about holiness. It's much broader than that in the Hebrew. And what it means is, a man who is in alignment with God, 
and with his instructions. So let me substitute that. I have never seen a man who is in alignment with God and his instructions forsaking, nor his seed beg for bread. So a man who is in alignment with God speaks to his right standing with him, speaks to one who listens and does. So as God has instructed, you execute. So he doesn't, he's, he's not forsaken and his seed does not beg for bread. So he has created, as it were, resources or wealth for generations yet unborn. His children don't have to beg. He has built things that have out, outlived him. So who are you? What are your work ethics like? Are you the type of person that gets to, cho- to, to work? Resumption time is 8 o'clock. You get in at 8.05. Then you will spend 15 minutes speaking in tongues at your desk. And then you are the first person to go on break because you want to have time out with Jesus. And then you come back and you need to also spend some time studying your Bible. And at the end of the day, work done, zero. Then you come to church and we say lift up holy hands. And you will lift up holy hands and you will begin to call the name of that boss. May God not be offended with you. But it's true. Let's think about it. Let's think about it. What are your work ethics like? You know, when the apostles, um, when the people of, in Acts now, when they saw them, I can't remember where it was, they saw them, and they referred to them as Christians. Why? They said because they have, they have been with Jesus. How, how do you say that you're a Christian and people cannot, they need to question your Christianity. They are unsure. In fact, some people here, you cannot open your mouth and tell your, your colleague about Jesus. They won't listen to you. They won't. So as we begin to wind down this year, let's, let's identify those things that need to change. What are your values? Are you a person of integrity? Are you a person that can be trusted? Or are you that person that you are so proud because of the mere fact that you are an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ and your boss is not born again? And you cannot understand why your boss is the way they are. Don't they know who I am? Are you that person? How do you even point your, how do you point the people around you to Jesus? If you're an employer, what will your staff say about you? What kind of reports will they give about you? Remember, both the digger and the steward are all stewards of God. Well, responsible and answerable to him. So think about it. Who are you? And identify the things that need to change as you prepare for 2017. Don't look to do things the way you have been doing them. Because if you have not produced any results, it means the way you have been doing it hasn't worked. It's time to change. It's time to improve. So, attributes of a just steward. Since that Bible chapter was tagged, the unjust steward. So, the DNA of a just steward, as it were, is one who is diligent. Bible speaks about, see as that a man who is diligent in his works. He will stand before kings and not mere men. That is what diligence does to you. Diligence skyrockets you. 
even without you asking for fame, without you asking for reward, diligence, diligence makes you stand out. When they know you are the go-to person, Laban said out of Jacob, he said, I have learned by experience that God has blessed me for your sake. Let that be the report about you at work. Let that be the report about you. You know, in your, amongst your employees, if you're a business owner, let that be what people will say about you. Then faithfulness. Jesus has said in this Luke 16 that we have read, he that is faithful in little, more will come to him. More will come to him. So the little that you have been given, how well are you utilizing them? And then lastly, we need to engage the inspiration of God. It is there for us. We are co-creators. Sometimes you hit a dead, a, a, a dead wall or you know, a, a brick wall at work. Draw from the inspiration that you have as a child of God. Draw from that source of creative ability as a co-creator. Let it not be said of you that you are the one that is the brick wall at work. You are the one that is not making the department move forward. You are the weak link. That is, it negates your position as a child of God. And that's the truth. So, if there are things you need to do to build yourself up this season, in preparation for the new year, please, by all means, do that. If you need to get more training, if you need to read more books, if you need to have a mentor, for example, please do these things. And build yourself, because we have seen it here. Jesus says, the guys out there are smarter in their world. This is not our world, but guess what? We live in it. We have a home, heaven. But we are dwelling here, at least for now. And the fact that we interact with them, the fact that we are measured with these guys, we ha- then we need to utilize who we, or utilize what we have, which is our relationship. So I pray that the Holy Spirit would take all of these my ramblings and do something in your hearts. And that you would be able to identify the specific areas that need to be changed. So we're going to spend a few minutes praying. I want us to just talk to God. Talk to him. Pour out your heart to him. You know where you currently stand. Are you a steward? Are you a waster of resources? Are you a beggar? Or... You know within you that you have the potential to be a digger, to create, to innovate, to build stuff, to add value, to solve problems in specific areas. But you are either too afraid to even get started. Talk to God tonight and ask him for grace. Ask him for grace to help you. Be diligent. Ask for grace to start. To start. You have had this idea. Two years, three years, four years. You have done nothing with it. Now is the time to ask God for grace to get moving. Some people need to move from where they are. Some people need to take action. And are you an employee that you know that if they had to speak to your boss today, you will not get good reports. And even if you're an A-star employee,
just ask God for grace to make him famous at work. That at every point in time, you will be found worthy of your calling and election in him. That people will not deride the name of Jesus because of you. Father, we receive your grace tonight to be doers. You have made us co-creators with you. You have infused in us intelligence and creative ability. So Lord, we ask tonight that you help us utilize these things as your children. Help us to maximize the resources and the, and the talents and the abilities that you have blessed us with, my Father. And if you're here tonight and you have no relationship with Jesus or you're not even sure all of these things we're saying, you're wondering to yourself. The truth of the matter is we're going to all be answerable to God at some point in time. And he would ask you, the first resource that I have given to you is time and your life. How well have you lived? What have you done so far? So if you're here and you're not sure of your stand with him, I would like for you to just raise your hand. Just put your hand up. It's you and Jesus now. It's you and him. And if your relationship with him has been topsy-turvy, it's neither here nor there. Today you're high, tomorrow you're low. The truth of the matter is a life outside of Jesus. I honestly don't know how to describe it. But I do know that a life with Jesus is beautiful. Might not be a bed of roses, but it's a fulfilling life. It's a life of victory. And ultimately, where you would spend your eternity matters a great deal. So I'm just going to pray with you. You can put your hand on your, on your chest if that's more comfortable. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your children. We give you praise. Because we know that you love us. And we know that you have great plans for us. So I pray for everyone whose relationship with you is who desires a better relationship with you. I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would touch their hearts. I ask, Father, that you would give them a new life, a new meaning. Let their life have a new meaning, O oh God. That you will satisfy them and show them your salvation. You will give them new and fresh experiences with you, O oh God. You will reveal yourself to them. If there be people here who have questions... Or people who are hurting, I ask Lord Jesus that you will touch. That Lord, your healing oil will flow. And that you will transform every situation of pain. You will turn it around, oh God. That you will give oil of gladness in Jesus' name.